You are now entering Frida's world. Join us as we address various issues facing women of color in the workplace. We'll help you navigate your professional and personal life the Frida way. Whose world is this? It's Frida's world. What's it like? What's it like? Classy and ratchet at the same time. You clash it. Like you love church music, but you f*** with future. That's classic. It's Frida's world. Welcome back, everyone, for another episode of Frida's world. Happy Wednesday. I know that some of you may have been wondering, where did Rita go? <laughs> is, is, is Frida's world still a thing? Um, I am still here. I am still here. I am still putting out episodes, but um, I had to take a little bit of a break. I was supposed to take a two-week break, and I think it ended up, ended up becoming a three-week break. I think this is, I don't know. Either way, it was a couple of weeks, and I just felt like I needed some time to slow things down a little bit. Uh, many of you may not know, I have another radio show slash podcast called According to RP. There we focus on everything black community through the lens of a 30 something year old woman, which is me. We talk about so social issues, current events. We talk about the latest hip hop beefs, if any of them have, you know, surfaced. We try to make it a fun show, um, but it's really the point of that show is to really highlight individuals who are doing great things in the community, inform the community of important issues, talk about things that people don't want to talk about, but we need to talk about. So I use that platform to really do, you know, speak my mind and talk about everything. It's a little different from Frida's World. Frida's World, although we are candid and open and honest, we try to focus our conversations um, to what happens with, you know, professional black women in and out the workplace. Some of the topics on Frida's World and According to RP could overlap, but According to RP, you know, I, I, I maybe curse a little bit sometimes if the spirit moves and, <laughs> you know, it's, it's a different platform. It's a lot, you know, it's a lot more, I guess, fun in a sense. So I encourage you all who are not currently following me on According to RP to do so. We also have an Instagram page. You can follow me there, too. Um, so with everything going on in the community and everything just going on in the news, I really did set some time and dedicate to making sure that my last couple of guests on according to RP were just really robust. So this past Sunday, I had a doctor, emergency medicine doctor talk about black health the week before that. Huh? What did I have the week before that? I can't remember. Oh, the week before that, I had um, my good friend from St. John's University, Silvio Lamazir, who was on the show. And we talked about the black uh, business walk that took place in Harlem a couple of weeks ago. He's one of the visionaries. So we had him on the show. So, yeah, it's a pretty cool platform. And so I just had dedicated some time there. But I was like, I need to come back to my Frida's World family because I know that they're missing me. <laughs> so I am back today. Today's show is not going to be very long because I understand that I coming, I'm coming off of a little bit of a hiatus, but I just wanted to put out this episode to let you guys know that I'm still here. I am still figuring things out. Um, in my life with respect to employment, with respect to this movement. I know that the last couple of episodes, I think I've just talked about how important it is for women of color to continue being present in these conversations about race, community, policing, 
I feel like women are always at the forefront of these things anyways, but I know that sometimes it can be tiresome. I know a lot of people are tired. I know I'm tired of having to yet in 2020 still be marching for justice and equality. Um, I know I'm tired as a black mother to have to have these conversations with my son about how to act with the police and how to not get shot, how to come home safely. So I know that if I'm tired, you guys are tired. And sometimes it takes the wind out of us. And sometimes we feel like we don't have any more fight left or that we should just sit this one out. But we can't sit this one out. Because what I've realized even more so in the last couple of weeks and being on panel discussions and moderating panels with officials, elected officials, high ranking officials in the NYPD, um, that our community really lacks education. And the, a lot of these officials that we have at the top are not really doing what we, the people are expecting them to do or what we, the people believe that they are doing. You know, we talk a lot about having black representation in spaces. But, you know, I'm starting to realize, or maybe I've realized this for a while, but it's really hitting home more. It's not about just having black representation. It's having quality black representation. It's having the right black representation. And I've seen this as a woman of color in corporate spaces where we have women of color at the top. And I think I've talked about this on this show before with women of color being at the top and them being your worst enemy in a sense, right? Like you get into these spaces and you think that, wow, there's a woman of color leading the charge. Things are going to be different here. The culture is going to be amazing. And in fact, that woman of color is, you know, contributing to the hostile work environment, contributing to the, you know, to just the, the issues um, and even maybe perpetrating, you know, racial issues in the workplace. Right. Um, and so it's very important for us to do two things. One, be vigilant as to who who our people of color are in certain spaces and making sure that we find ways to hold them accountable. If you are going to be that top person of color in this workspace or even in the community to hold them accountable to being an agent of change. Right. And two, for us to, you know, stay present and continue the fight as hard as it may be, as demoralizing as it may feel sometimes to just be like this again. Um, you know, right now, a lot of my friends are going through this in their spaces of work. You know, and when I say spaces of work, a lot of times I'm really referring to Zoom calls <laughs> in the, in the um, digital space of work because of, you know, COVID-19. And, you know, we're seeing a lot of companies come out and make these statements about race and how they are against discrimination and all these other things. And then it's interesting because these same companies have black and brown employees who are just side eyeing them like you have to be kidding me because I was complaining about being discriminated against and having, you know, feeling that there was a hostile work environment just last year and you and HR just like brushed it to the side. And now you want to talk about your commitment to race and your commitment to equality. And so I know from my friends who have to endure these calls and these sessions and all these different things that these employers, you know, this white guilt, I guess that's being disseminated throughout the workplaces. Um, 
it's it's hard. It's hard for them to get up every day to log in or to report to work and to deal with all of this. Um, on top of everything else that's going on in our community that's not race related, right? Like COVID-19 is still a very present health concern. And so I think that though, despite all of those things, we have to find it within ourselves to continue the fight and to continue being present and to continue showing up for each other, not just for ourselves and our immediate family members, but for each other. Because right now there is this momentum that's going on and we are seeing the ripple effects all over the place, right? But we still have to be present to hold these individuals who are making these changes accountable and to keep them on track and to keep them focused as to what the real goal is. Because what I'm seeing now is companies, corporations, organizations, educational institutions, all coming out and they are, um, Take, you know, of trying to erase the symbols of, of racism. They are taking down monuments in front of schools. They are renaming buildings. They are doing all these things, right? But the, the, the goal is not to just erase the symbols and to like change the building from Woodrow Wilson to just, you know, the building. It's to really address the systemic racism that's going on in our community. It's to, we need to get to the root of the problem. Changing the name of a building, taking down a statue, although, thank you, you should have never had it up anyways, or it should have been down a long time ago. It's 2020. But all those things are happening. And I think a lot of people are getting distracted and saying, wow, look how far we're coming right now. They're, they're removing all of these sin symbols, but they're removing the symbols, but the actual racism that's going on and discrimination that's happening in the workspaces, the subtle, right? The subtle discrimination tactics that occur each and every day are not necessarily being eradicated. They're not going away. The, the, the actual addressing of the issue of racism like we want to be treated better. We want to be treated equally. We want to be seen as equal. We're not necessarily calling for you to change the name of the building. Although again, thank you, but we didn't ask for that. We're asking to be treated equally. You could change the name of the building and racism could still reign inside of that building. You can take down the monument in front of city hall or whatever government institutions, but that system is still oppressing black and brown people. So we have to address the actual systems, right? So I guess what I'm sitting back and I'm watching as all these monuments come down, as all these roads get renamed and even cities, I'm hearing whole cities are thinking of changing their county names and all this other stuff. When all of that is said and done, um, what, I mean, what's happening with respect to the actual issue of racism? Are we, are we going to, are they going to address that as well too? How are we going to ensure that the build inside the building where black and brown people operate, where they exist, where they move, where they work? How do we ensure that inside the building that's been renamed equality and justice prevail? How do we do that? And so it's up to us, black and brown people, to 
make sure that we are in tune with what's going on. You know, we need to be vigilant. We need to be paying attention and we need to start calling people out. I know that. And again, I think we've talked about this on this show in past episodes. Um, People need their jobs, right? We're talking about COVID-19. We have employers every day making cuts, right? Major cuts. We have employers every day laying people off, furloughing people. People are afraid to lose their jobs. And so people are afraid to speak up sometimes because they do not want to jeopardize their job. And I totally understand that. But I think that there comes a time where we have to figure out and realize for ourselves what is really important here. If we're not about the fight for justice, then we don't have to be about the fight for justice. But if you are saying that you want equality and you want, you know, discriminatory practices to stop and you want employers and you want institutions and organizations and facilities to stop discriminating and and, and all these things, there has to be a level of sacrifice that's made on the part of everyone. Everyone has to sacrifice. And, you know, over the weekend, I was on a panel that totally disgusted me. You know, law enforcement was on there. And unfortunately, I feel like we could never really get to a real conversation when we have law active law enforcement members are sitting on panels because they're afraid of losing their job, being blackballed and all these other things. But being on that panel, um, again, reiterated to me that one, we are not an informed community. And that we need, we need to be able to speak up. Like I call it the Angela Rye syndrome now. Like when you hear false rhetoric being spewed, you have to just jump in. You can't even let that person finish their thought. Like you have to just jump in. And I feel like we are, and that's, I mean, I've, I've been like this as well too, because sometimes, you know, you're trying to be respectful and you're trying to you know, um, hold a certain demeanor and you don't want to be that person who's, you know, coming out and, and being seen as aggressive and angry and whatever on some of these, you know, whether it be panels or, you know, even like, uh, workplace discussions, because now a lot of employers are trying to create little town halls within their, um, companies for people to have conversations. Um, and a lot of times those spaces, although they say they're, they're, they're safe, they're really not safe. And so people are afraid to speak out. But I think that we need to move past that. We need to move past this, this, this fear of speaking the truth. It's not even just speaking out. We're speaking the truth. And we need to be able to move past that fear. Now, obviously, you know, when we're, if we're speaking out, you know, do so tactfully um, and make sure that you have your facts in order. Um, but I think that we have to, we have to speak out more. That's the only way that we'll be able to really make change is to call things out. If your employer is still engaging in discriminatory practices, if your employer is still engaging in things that are contrary to the movement, contrary to us moving forward as a people, then we need to be able to call them out on it, whether it be in a, in a, in a letter, whether it be on a call, like however it is that, that you feel may actually get the point across. We need to, we need to be able to speak out. And I think that that's something that a lot of us, you know, against a lot of us women, we tend to shy away from because we do have a lot of responsibilities and it's easy for, you know, one person to tell another, like, you need to just quit that job or you need to just tell your supervisor like it is. I understand it. We have mouths to feed, but, you know, 
there are sacrifices that have to be made when it comes to seeking justice, when it comes to getting that real equality, when it comes to that fairness, there are sacrifices that have to be made. And without sacrifice, I mean, what do we have? Like, we'll never get to that next level if we do not sacrifice collectively. It can't just be the same two people that are sacrificing. Clearly, you know, we've had people put themselves out. We've had martyrs, quote unquote, and look at where we are in 2020, still marching for equality and justice. That's so crazy to me that we're in this new millennium and we are still fighting for basic rights. We are still fighting for our lives, literally. We are asking not to be killed. We live in a community where people don't understand when we say Black Lives Matter, we don't just mean we only matter. We just want to matter too. We, we have whole communities that are, that are protesting against protesters because they say, well, all lives matter. Why do just Black Lives Matter? And the fact that, you know, white people and, and, or white passing people cannot grasp this idea that black people are under attack in this country every single day and that we are oppressed and that our, uh, you know, some of our abysmal living conditions is not due to our laziness, but it's due to the broken system. It's beyond me, especially when we're, de- when we're dealing with educated, you know, so-called educated, you know, white people and white passing people. We're not even talking about individuals who've never seen black people in their lives. We're talking about people who are in our faces, who are our supervisors, our bosses, leaders of organizations, right, that are that are saying these things. Um, And so, again, it's very demoralizing. Sometimes it's like, I mean, I've had people who are just like, this is never going to end. There's never going to be any change. Like, this is just how our life is going to be. But I don't want to have that attitude. I don't want to have that defeatist attitude. And when I say defeatist, it's not to insult anyone who has that. But it's to say that we have to have some sort of hope. We have to have some sort of hope because without hope, there's no life. We can't move forward. If we just accept the fact that this is the way that our country is and this is how things are going to be, we will never, I mean, we'll never move forward Um, we can't, you can't live like that. We can't live thinking that there's no hope and that, you know, things are hopeless. So I say all that to say this, (laughs) um, we're living in crazy times right now. We are on so many different fronts, you know, like I said, health concerns, um, racial tension, divide, disparities are being exposed all over the place. Things that were already here, but you know, now they're just magnified, right? We're being pulled in so many directions. Unemployment is at an all time high. People are losing their jobs every day, professional people, right? Um, So things are rough out here, but we have to still be present. We can't allow ourselves to just be lost in the sauce, right? Do we, can we take time off? Of course. I mean, that's what I did with this show. I took a couple of weeks off so that I could regroup and I can, you know, come back, you know, with a vengeance, um, give my brain some time to really just process, you know, do some self-care, 
some meditation and, you know, things of that nature, connect with people, connect with nature. It's important to do that. It's important to uh, separate and detach here and there, but we still have to come back to the fight. We still have to come back um, with hope, right? So I hope that today's episode, although, like I said, it wasn't going to be a long one. I just wanted to, you know, bless the mic a little bit. Um, Hopefully, you know, you guys are doing well. I hope that, you know, even if you're not doing well, because it's okay to not be well and it's okay. It's okay to say that you're not well either. Um, So, you know, hopefully you guys are doing well, but if you're not doing well, it's okay. Just, you know, put it, put it in the books that you are going to be well, you know, start taking little steps to become well. Um, you know, whether it is self-care, whether it is making sure that you are making your doctor's appointments, whether it is, you know, finding a therapist to speak to if, you know, if your issues are not necessarily physical, um, you know, mental illness is real. And I think that with this COVID-19 and with these race tensions, all of us are experiencing some form of mental illness, whether it be in the form of anxiety, depression, I mean, these things are real, right? And we've talked about that a lot on this platform. I talk a lot about mental health um, on this platform because it really is important and mental health can even affect you physically. Some of you guys might be feeling sick, stomach aches, all this other stuff. And it could be because your mental health is not in order. So as we continue moving on, you know, we're in the month of July already, but we're, you know, barreling through the rest of this year. You know, we don't know what's to come. We have no idea what's to come, but the only thing that we can do is, you know, focus on being positive. And again, like I said, focus on being positive. It doesn't mean be positive because sometimes you just can't be positive. You just, and you don't want to be positive because there's just too much going on. There's way too much going on. So it's okay to not be positive one day. Right. But again, it's okay to allow yourself that time. But at the end of the day, knowing that you have, you know, we got to get back on track. We got to get back on track. All right. I was down for two, three days, two, three weeks, even now I'm back on track, you know? So hopefully, um, hopefully this resonates with somebody. Again, I hope that everybody is doing well. And if you're not doing well, I pray that you get well soon. Next week, we have a really great episode. I'm not going to tell you exactly what it is because I want you guys to follow me on social media so you guys can get some updates. I was a little slow with the social media as well, too. Like I said, I was just taking a little break from, um, from you know, from Frida's world, but I'm back. But follow me on uh, on Instagram, Frida's world, F-R-E-E-D-A-S underscore world, just to get some teasers. I'm trying to do better with that, obviously. You know, just be part of the tribe. You know, um, sign up for our newsletter. Go to our website, www.fridasworld.com. You can sign up for our newsletter and, you know, we'll be getting back with that as well, too. Sending out some newsletters, um, some, you know, some random giveaways to those who um, who are selected through. We're going to be doing a giveaway for the month of July. So in the next couple of weeks, I'll be uh, posting up how you guys can get some giveaways we're going to have some amazing guests on the show. I love having guests on the show because I love the the informational aspect of this platform. And so I want you guys to definitely sign up, be a part of the tribe, you know, take the time, listen to past episodes. You know, we're all home now. <laughs> we have a lot of great stuff coming up, you know, for the rest of this year. I've been working on a couple of projects. 
And I can't wait to really get more um, into it with you guys. But, you know, I just want to kind of pace myself a little bit. But there's a lot of great things that are going to be happening with Frida's World. And we have like, you know, there's a parent company in the mix. Um, And so I definitely want to keep you guys, you know, involved and in tune with everything that's happening. Thank you all who have continued uh, following Frida's World, listening to us. You know, over the last three years, it's going to be three years now since we've had this platform. And I thank you guys. And even those of you who joined in later on, thank you for your loyalty. All of that matters right now in this time of togetherness. We're all just trying to come together, support each other and, you know, really just get to the next level. So I really appreciate you guys for continuing to support me um you know through everything that's been going on um not just recently but even you know through through the inception of this podcast <laughs> so with that being said everyone have a wonderful 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 i can't talk <laughs> wonderful wonderful rest of your week and i hope to talk to you guys next week Frida's world. What's it like? What's it like? Classy and ratchet at the same time. You clash it. Like you love church music, but you f with future. That's clash it. It's Frida's world.